If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is Jamie Murray. Jamie is a show jumping specialist rider, coach and trainer. He's ridden to World Cup level and he's also won an Australian Championship and placed there and as well as all that he's a master farrier. How are you Jamie? I'm well, thanks, Gwyneth. How are you? Great, great. Jamie, have you got a favourite quote for us? Yeah. When I've learnt along the way, I've always used it for myself, and I do teach people, but if I play minimise mistakes to maximise performance, basically that's what I try to get students to be aware of. It helps. I think it helps a lot as you go along. And that would be my quote. It's my quote. I use it. That's That's what I go with. And I think if that's a good one, you say it, but then you've sort of got to say it again and go, yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, Jamie, you've had heaps of experience with horses for quite a few years. What were your first memories with horses? Yeah, um, that was a hard question when I saw this on the <laughs> piece of paper. Now, I think I think in my younger days, sixes, seven-year-olds, my mother had a, a riding school in the hills at, Hamil- at Bridgewater in Adelaide Hills. So, yeah, basically hopping on a pony, riding down the road with a friend and usually walking home more times than not. <laughs> if both of us fell off, we'd have to walk home. If one of us fell off, we could catch the pony and ride back again. So, yeah, there was a lot of experience on just learning how to stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're, they're my initial movements. <laughs> okay, and then from there, how did you, you know, because that's still a long way to, you know, riding a pony, riding down the road, falling off, walking home, to be riding then and competing at a World Cup level. It's still a fairly long journey there. So how did you progress from there? Yeah, exactly. Like our family was one that used to move around a lot and go from you know, like um, city to country to city again and just had different jobs. Dad had different jobs all the time. But, you know, like you eventually found people along the way in your times. Um, you know, there's a lot of good people that help you out when you're, when you're a kid going up. I think I was probably one of the youngest eventers, junior eventers at the 13-year-old age in South Australia. From there, you had the older boys and girls give you a hand. Um, from there, I think horses really chose me. I didn't chose them. They ended up being my life mm-hmm. because of any reason. But like, and then from then, I ended up working on a horse stud. So I was a stallion handler. Um, I did that for two years. Firstly, in the Adelaide Hills, so I handled pen stallions. Um, working full time. With horses, always was tough work to be able to play with them, but I did manage to do a few little things along the way. And eventually, I think another move went to I went to the, the territory for six months and ended up learning how to break in and be a rider of sorts up there. So, like I always find these little places that I was involved with gave me good skills along the way to evaluate horses and understand them. The uh, the, the session in territory on the station was huge. I loved basically breaking in, riding, chasing stock, and all that sort of stuff. 
then it brought me back. And this is where I started to get involved. I wanted to be a show jumper. I think I ten peg for a year or so with teams in Adelaide, and that was oh, I had super fun with that. And that's just another skill you get along the way. I sort of found that quite, yeah, you know, without being plastic, quite easy, and I got really bad at quite quickly. I thought, no, nah, I want to try something else. So then I went to show jumping, and then that was just turned it all around, didn't it? <laughs> I was never going to be any good at that. <laughs> but so it took years and years and years of trying to get better at that game, but it, it filled my life up from a 20-year-old to, I guess, a 40-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a great time. I loved it. I was quite addicted to the game. I, I was so... You, know, you, never, you never got to be the best, but you tried. that's what you tried to do the whole time. Yep. Just tried to be as good as you could be. And there's plenty of growing, isn't it? You know, plenty of growing in it. Like when you first go over those first little jumps that are sort of knee high, Yeah. Yeah. up to competing at high level, it's not just go over one jump and then just gradually get a bit higher and higher. There's a lot of skill and a lot of techniques to learn all the way up. Yep, yep. Oh, for sure. I think I think my mother did one thing quite special to me when I was a kid. Like she never allowed me to go too high. You know, like mm-hmm. I was a junior rider and I was only allowed to do that. A lot of other riders could go, uh, you know, able to go bigger. But it just gave me super confidence mm. initially. And then when it was time for me to try and be better at the game, I, I, it was all a new experience the whole time. So, yeah, but consolidating on the on the smaller stuff was always the thing I found. There's always different skills learn horses. Yep. And putting them all together in the end, flat work, and then being able to jump and take on different size jumps and different distances between jumps. Right ability your horses, you know, training them when they're, when they're good. I found it was all just a whole range of different ideals put into one to be able to get to a place where you ride for around a show jump course in a minute and a half and try not to knock rails down. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. All right. Now, for someone who wants to work in the horse industry, and this is not just working in a show jumping stable, but, you know, I mean, you've done a a big variety anyway, you know, working in the territory and working on handling stallions and things like that. But what sort of character traits or core skills does someone need to work in the horse industry? Yeah, just basically the love of horses, you know, the ability to understand them. Like, there's going to be highs and lows, that's for sure. At, at any game, but yeah, you know, the horses are a different animal. I think we appreciate them more when we know them better, and especially when you get to elite level. Like you just like the good horses really are just amazing. But then again, the other horses that are limited also try hard. So they've all been good to me. But I think the ability to understand your horse is going to take you a long way. I've, I've had debates along the way with different people. Better, I think sometimes the better rider possibly doesn't appreciate the horse so much. I think sometimes the ability to work with a horse and get the best out of them is, is part and parcel of enjoying the ride, if you like. But it is a long time, long time with them. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Now, that's from working. What do you think then going on to be a top rider, one that stands out that is above the rest? You know, some, I mean, winning a national championship and still riding quite a few horses to World Cup level. What do you think you had a bit more than most people that start off in the horse industry, work on a start or work on a station and stay there and don't want to keep going? What do you think you had more than someone else? <laughs> that That is super tough. It was just a yeah, super tough question, this one. I think I'm just stubborn. Is it stubborn or persistent? 
yeah, that's a better word. <laughs> yeah, like I just wanted to be as good as I could be. And, you know, like I got the times in my time on the road thinking, why am I doing this? You know, like I'm just not improving. And the determination in the end will bring fairly high result. Um, you've just, sometimes the lows become the highs and vice versa. So it just helps to be a little bit determined with what you're going for and, and suck up what's not going so well. It's life in general. It's like it is the same with life in general anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Now, you've talked about your mother influencing you along the way. Who else has influenced you? I was very lucky. Like I had a lot of people. Being on the road, you live with a lot of different people. You go to different states and you're always finding people. To, and they, they appreciate it. There were three girls that were really quite good in my time and I looked up all, and they all had a little bit of time for me, which I was quite quite amazed and happy. But Di Dawson, Colin Brooke, Vicky Roycroft, Marie Hewitt were, mm-hmm. were fantastic. I mean, the whole the whole whole four of them, and they were basically, you know, the ones you looked up to. There were other obviously male writers in the time, but they, these these guys were fantastic to me as far as I was concerned. Jamie came and gave me a hand along the way, but like I found Vince Gorby, Terry Cohen, fantastic people, and and they were you know. Very influential in my time, and I've had a lot of good coaches before. I had a Danish coach. I think as a kid, he couldn't speak English, and I couldn't speak Danish, so we we worked it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, but all these people along the way are just fantastic. I could keep naming them and naming them. Yeah, you know, like family, mm-hmm. although they're so great. You know, like my mother was a great influence to start me off, and she was she herself was a great writer. So you know, they got me a little bit enthused. When I was younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yep. um, yeah, look, I took a different line, but still ended up in the same place. <laughs> okay, mm. okay. Now, what about horses who've influenced you? Ones that have been instrumental in helping you in your career? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, look, I had a really flash little horse called I Spy early in my day, and he just tried and tried and tried. I couldn't believe how good he was. He was only he was 15, 2, 15, 3. I ended up well capping him. I'd, I'd Got him to A grade. He was just one of the quickest, cleanest little horses that tried his heart out all the time. And I got my better horses, obviously, um, crossword and coincidence. They're two different chestnut horses I had at a similar time, and they were just, you know, like I was riding well enough then to be able to give them the best ride I could. But the early horses, you know, there's so many of them. There'd be, there's 20 or 30 or 40 of them. Not still, mm-hmm. got, I still get the FA ringing him up if I want to keep these horses registered and going, <laughs> cannot the lot for me remember which ones they are. But <laughs> there are a lot of different authors in my time. Okay. Okay. But um yeah the main one's crossword and coincidence for sure. Okay. Okay. What about your proudest moment? What do you think that's been? Yeah, there's a few. Like obviously I loved uh, like obviously won the ninety two Australian titles. I backed up again next year and ran third. They were fantastic. I've also taught a few people. I had a an Indian boy I thought to finish the um, Olympic Games at Sydney. Mm. I got him to the flag as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, look, I had a ball helping that boy. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. And um, So James Lang is another one I coached to be a World Cup rider. I got him around a couple of World Cups, if you like, from being a, a pretty passive three-opened rider. So basically, yeah, like everything comes into play. Done, like riding you know, competition, I've mm. had, I actually won a class at a Campbell show. And I, I'm, I was so super proud. They showed me the plate with all these old winners on it. Yep. And you've got April Love, Chip Chester, and so many fancy horses. I'm going, oh, you can put 
my name down. I've got no qualms about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, but there are different levels and different things that I like. You know, I've had a, quite a good things really. So yeah. All right. Now with all those, and and you know, by your own admission, you've had a great time, and there's lots of lots of horses have influenced you. You know, yeah. you've set a couple, and and you know, lots of proud moments. What about your biggest challenge? What do you think has maybe held you back a bit, put a bit of a roadblock there, but then tell us how you got around it and how you worked through it. Yeah, probably money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look, that would have helped a lot. But, um, yeah, look, I think I've, I've loved being able to do what I did as I did it. You know, I, I think um, being on the road basically and just surviving from place to the next, getting a job picking fruit or, you know, like showing the horse, Along the way, trying to money usually sell of a horse, a sale of a good horse has kept the the table. Um, so maybe there were other better horses around, but I chose to keep, keep crossword and coincidence. Mm-hmm. Coincidence had a good good owner, so I was really happy with him. But yeah, the challenge of keep going is, I find um, yeah, you're just motivated. You're always motivated, mm-hmm. and you want to keep motivated. Sometimes I have to go away and earn you know earn money for three months, and then get back into it and go on the road again. Okay. Uh, Okay, but but you had that intrinsic motivation that just kept you going. So yeah. even if you you did sort of get pulled away a little bit to get the finances and to get the money, you just kept going into it because of that yeah. passion that you had. Yeah, yep. blind yep. passion. Yep. Much. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, Jamie, what's a common fault that you see? You know, as you go around coaching, what's a common fault that you see with riders, and how can it be fixed? I think uh, the way I like to coach is I, I like. To teach people that we can work within boundaries and give our whole boundaries to work within. Now from there I don't like to see a domination over a horse so when we've set boundaries to the horse then we can teach within those boundaries and, and allow a little bit of flexibility in teaching and coaching our horses and making them, and getting them to understand. Making is not the word I want to say. Getting them to understand what we're trying to, to educate them with. So I find um, you know, like we can always dominate a horse but they will very quickly work out your weaknesses if we block exits which is my boundary and insist those exits are not allowed then the coaching goes from there it's all for now they know they're not allowed to do a b c d and then from there we keep you know insisting that we say okay we want this to happen and all of a sudden the horse is clear on our rates hardest thing to do is educate a horse i think because their english is not very good you're right. Their English isn't good, yeah. and I think you know we've just got to realise that and understand that they don't think like us. Mm. They don't communicate like us, and we've got to work out the ways that they communicate and do our best to mm. to work with them. Yeah. And just just quickly, um, mm. just quickly with that, Vince Corby pretty well taught me that. I learned in a different fashion from him, and it was just fantastic. I couldn't believe what I learned off him and took three lessons. And basically, it's that you know, like we, you know, like I, I took what I took out of his lessons, mm-hmm. and he was so easy to ride a horse from the ground. Yes, and touch, you know, touch the balance, and he would be riding the horse for you while you were just being the surrogate. Mm-hmm. So you know, like there's a fair bit of influence from him into my coaching, I guess. Yep, yep, yeah. He certainly was a master horseman. Yep. All right. Now, thinking about you being a master farrier, what's a common, um, you know, whether it's a common fault, common problem, something that you see in performance horses that could be fixed with just a little bit of a different point of view with the farrier? Mm. Yeah, as, as a master farrier, I get asked questions very, very rarely while you're working and do and you get into a conversation with an owner. It's amazing the amount of 
understanding we've got in our brain that we never use as a farrier, but we can talk it out and we can utilise the owner to find different ways and means of being able to improve the horse. But usually I'm just, to start with, as a farrier, I want to be down the line, make it plain, get their horse balanced and make sure they're in a good, good balanced motion and then if there are any problems from there, Meaning of cutting with the farrier is always a big thing because like there is no feedback half the time and the poor old farrier does get a fair bit of blame. The farrier has got a hell of a lot of knowledge shut down his brain and they just need to be influenced to bring it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a funny thing, but it is amazing how much they know. Obviously, the better farrier knows much more and farriers like myself, I guess, I get influenced into trying to find different things. I'll go away if I have a problem and ring up some of my other people that I've, they may know. So incorporating a whole heap of farriers into the problem is a best, better way of going about it. Mm-hmm. And then you'll probably find a solution for, for something that may be not so good there. Okay. But I dare say, utilise the farrier, don't, don't pinpoint the farrier. Okay, okay. So if you see something that the farrier might have done just a little bit different, ask them why, because there might be a really good reason yeah. why they've done that a bit different. Yeah, and it, it is. And like yeah. there are changes all over the place. It changes all the time and and as a master farrier, we do go out in school, get schooled, and we do know a lot. And mm. it comes from being with 50 other master farriers and 20 other fantastic beds with clinics and that sort of thing. So yeah. there's a lot of knowledge. And, and you, like I said, you can always incorporate that knowledge by just a quick phone call. And the phones today are fantastic. You send, a, send an X-ray from the vet to the farrier and or vice versa. So it's gone from the days of what it used to be, just slapping a shoe in. And I, I was probably... Those days back in the day when I had horses, I had to, I had to shoe because I had no money to shoe, so I had to learn to shoe. <laughs> but nowadays, I've, I've gone through all the clinics, I've gone through all the schooling, I've become a master farrier, and there it is quite a, a lovely, you know, like it's another horse business that I'm yep. quite enthused about. Mm-hmm. And I like being the best I can. Yep. I obviously have done all my life. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Now, to do with either a farrier or as a coach, can you recommend a book to our listeners, something that's going to either complement their knowledge about, you know, the hoof or else to help them with their riding and their training? Yeah, there are some fantastic books about horses' feet and, and education. Like I've got a couple on my bookshelf here, but I don't dare move, otherwise this thing will drop out. <laughs> um, but I, but getting down, look, I've, I've thought about the book. Look, I'm, I'd rather go a different Avenue here, as I do. Yeah. Then I had a book out in 1973 called Show Jumpers Down Under. You know, yep. Ocean Fame, yep. all these wonderful old horses. I find, especially till now, till, till we've got the phone and the internet and all of Facebook and all that, no one knew of our history. And that book was probably as close as we had. Now, I, I read that book when I was in Adelaide as a kid. I knew Guy Crichton. I knew, oh, actually, I, I knew Art Newtondale and, and Jeff Evans. That's all I knew in the book. Mm-hmm. From there, I went away around Australia and I met everyone in that book. I just I just always, uh, in that way, I actually found all the people around Australia from that book. And you'd watch them because you had that knowledge to start with. And there, there you would watch them at a show and do all sorts of things. And they were just fantastic. And they were just Queenslanders, North New South Welshmen. And you know, just, it's not so much as a book 
learning, but finding people, understanding mm-hmm. our history, really. I'm, okay. I'm, that helped me a long way. But definitely, definitely with the shoeing caper, there is a lot to learn. It's pretty straightforward. I'm afraid I can give you the name of the book because I've, I've read two or three once in my time. Um, and I can't come up with that right now. Thank you. You might be able to send me an email about that book, a title, and yeah. uh, we can put it on exactly. your page. Yeah, it'll be horsechats.com slash Jamie Murray, and the details of that book will be on there. Yeah. Jamie, what are you looking forward to now? You're coaching now. You're coaching. If you can tell us about what you're looking forward to, what your future holds. Yeah, I coach. I've been, I have on and off coach down at Werribee for the uh, young rider. Well, not the young rider squad, but development squad that they hold down there for oh, might have been 15 years. But it's, uh, and I just love the state of those kids. Like they're coming from anywhere from 12 to 17 year olds. They're all grandkids. They all want to learn, and they've got you know stars in their eyes. Now, a fantastic way of being able to pass on a bit of information. And I usually find the camaraderie of these kids after the six or eight weekends together. It's just, just fantastic to watch them grow and, and understand that show jumping is not just an individual game. It's actually a game that you can incorporate everyone and friends along the way and, and utilise these friendships to help mm. you improve, really. Yep. yep. So, um, But that, yeah, I do other little jobs. I've got Hamilton College here every week, but my main income butter is, is for our work. Yep, yep. All right, then I was going to say about the 12 to 17-year-olds, you know, it's great to be training, but then when you're out competing with them, it becomes more of like a team effort rather than just, you know, an individual effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And getting them to understand success and failure is all part of getting better, you know. Yes. I'll teach a lot of stuff along the way. I've got lots of lesson plans, but, you know, when you watch them at a show, basically you're not a nurse, mate, but you're a, you're a person to bump them up when they fall down and vice versa, keep them... Don't get them too far ahead of themselves when they're going well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's, a, it's a very, very inclusive brain, the, the teenager, if you like. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a really good, fun place to be when you're teaching them. Yep, yep. Because <laughs> they can be as cheeky as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Keep you on your toes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Jamie, in just a few sentences, if you can summarise your philosophy or your, your main principles with horses, that would be great. I think... Um, being a little bit successful along the way, you appreciate the highs and lows of the troughs that can be of competition. Like you've, you've got to be able to evaluate and evolve highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I always think and teach these sort of things when I'm going through lessons, and I, I like to think anything they can take away different than what they normally are learning is a great way of getting another rider to utilise their brain instead of and to be able to educate a horse, understand a horse. So my philosophy is probably just an understanding of what they're sitting on. And don't be afraid of working with your animal. They're they're the ones that are going to do the work for you. I've sat on a lot of animals that have sat my skinny butt along the way (laughs) and done the right thing when I needed to. And in the end there, when you do compete, these animals are the ones that are going to cover up your little mistakes along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, philosophy, it's a ways and means. Okay, I don't know if I've actually answered your question as such, but that's, that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Jamie, how can people contact you? I have got an email. It's Jamie and Mickey 1. So, it's J-A-M-I-E-A-N-D-M-I-C-K-Y 1 at bigbond.com. And my phone number, mobile number is 04. 
0419-303-741. That's brilliant. And those details will be on our, your page as well at Horse Chats, which will be horsechats.com slash Jamie Murray. And we'll also have the details of that extra book as well, Jamie, if you could send that to us. Yeah, All right. do. It's been very inspiring talking to you. It's you know I've really enjoyed the way that you started off with your first pony, you know, and, and sort of sometimes <laughs> you had to walk home. I think that's good, and I think it's really good yeah. the way that you really had, you know, from ten pecking to breaking in horses, you know, going up to the territory mm. to even just give you that grounding then to get started with horses and the fact that, you know, you go through and just appreciate every horse and, you know, you're talking about not dominating horses and working with them. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed that philosophy, which I think you've got right through the whole interview. It's been good. Mm. Yeah. Nah. And I, and I must say before before we finish, I do sure. appreciate every every little bit stretch of help that I've had over my time. I've had some wonderful people around me <laughs> and now I just love the game and the people who are in the game. So yep. That's great. That's really good. So great. if I've missed a few people... <laughs> Apologise in advance. Yeah. <laughs> All right yeah. then, Jamie. Okay, well, thanks for talking to us and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you soon. Right. Thanks, Jamie. Okay. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.